0: among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be the first among you must also be the slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many so we don't bring Fiona up this morning to go look at Fiona spotlights on her let's let's applaud but actually this is Fiona coming to to die to self and coming to actually serve you guys as well so that's what we want to do okay and as Fiona's way of of agreeing to that I'm going to read out a number of statements that you would have saw these guys agree to last week, and to express the acceptance, she's then going to say that through. I do okay. So you ready, Fiona? No turning back at this point. All right. Um, mutual accountability. So Fiona, do you believe that in the call, that the, in this call to serve this community, God Himself is calling you the eldership? I do. Where's the? Let's get the microphone. I've so, you got the. Just so everybody can hear. I thought you'd have had. Um, Fiona, do you believe that the Bible is the word of God, the infallible rule of faith and life? I do. And Fiona, do you believe that it is um, the power, anointing and direction of the Holy Spirit that you will be helped to lead this church? I do. Do you subscribe to the doctrinal standards of this church? I do. And do you promise to do the work of your office faithfully in a way worthy of your calling and in submission to the government and oversight of this church? I do. Father, I'll just lay hands on, okay. Yeah, Father, it is by your word that you will lead, Fiona. It is by your spirit that you will equip her so that your church may grow and increase, but also, Father, that your name may be glorified. So we we anoint her to be an elder and overseer of your church. Father, you may fill her, lead her, and guide her as she walks into this office. Teach her by your word. Lead her by your spirit. That she may be a good shepherd to this flock. So Fiona, as you become a new elder, we charge you that you guard yourself and all the flock whom the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Be a shepherd of this church of God whom he bought with his own blood. Be a friend and a Christ-like example to children. Give clear and cheerful guidance to young people. And by word and example, bear of God's people in their pain, their weakness, and celebrate their joys with them. Hold and trust all sensitive matters confided to you. Encourage and engage um, encourage the age to persevere in God's promises. Be a wise counsellor, support and strengthen to each person in your care as you lead this community. Be compassionate yet firm and consistent in discipline to honor all God's people. Know the scriptures that are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training for righteousness. And please continue to pray for this church. And while you do so, remember at all times that, it would, <clears throat> that you would truly give spirit, good spiritual leadership to the household of faith, that you must yourself be completely mastered as Jesus Christ is your Lord. I want to ask you guys to stand, okay? This charge is to you, okay? I charge you as this church to receive Fiona as this new elder as Christ's gift to the church, recognizing her the Lord's provision for healthy congregational life. Hold her in honor and respect, take her counsel seriously and accepting help with thanks. Sustain Fiona in prayer and encourage her with support, especially when she feels the burden of this position. And acknowledge Fiona as a Lord's servant Among you, So, Father, we thank you for uh, team, we thank you for oversight, and we thank you that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. God, we ask that as we all come together, that you would protect us and you would lead us into maturity in you, that we would remain faithful for you, we would remain devoted to you, so that, Father, through us as a church and as a body, we would see your kingdom come and your will be done in this area, as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, amen. I want to take you guys just to pray over Fiona, just as we... Yeah, Hannah, go first. I'm
1: just going to throw you in. Fiona, actually... I had a verse from you from um, Habakkuk 2, verse 2 four, And it says... The Lord answered, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And the Lord has given you prophetic vision for this church. And um, I just felt like I'm saying, even though he's given you visions years long gone by, and you've still got them. And they haven't come to pass, but they will come into pass in the Lord's mm-hmm. time. And so, God, I thank you that you give Fiona vision, that you yeah. give her prophetic vision for this church. And, Father, I just pray that you would only increase it up, that, Father, you would just give her more vision and direction, and that, Father, you would just encourage her um, that you will come and do what you will do in your time. So, mm-hmm. Father, we just thank you and we bless her.
2: Um, last week, uh, John had said he had a vision of a ship and was it the cruise now is that what it's called and uh when he had that um he talked about people overlooking looking out what's coming ahead and just during worship um I really felt that actually I, I saw you in that <laughs> funeral with your um looking out with your like we won Um, telescope type thing I don't know what it's called I'm not a sailor but I just you know and even we were on the ship and you were going right this is what's coming guys and just on the back of what Hannah just said that I really um, feel that you've had such a role in that and looking forward and looking and the vision so father we just pray for Mm. more of that that um, the vision that she has seen that will you um make it come to pass god that she she will see that but also will you give her more and more visions of you for the church for herself for for the team god we just say um more of you in this time yeah
1: yeah god i just thank you so much for fiona um i just thank you for her passion for her enthusiasm, for her drive, for her love for this church and for the people in this mm. church. And um, it's just so evident to see, Lord. And I just pray um, that you will just um, refresh her every time that she gives out, every time that she shows that love and that passion to the people of the, the church, Lord, that you will just build her up, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you will um, lead, guide, and direct her, Lord, and just be so close um, as we lift her up in prayer. Amen.
3: We've got a wee chance to, like... Uh go to Rome actually this week and there's that Acropolis thing up on the top of the site I do skyline of Rome. Or not even we to talk talking about Rome. Athens. <laughs> <laughs> completely, ah. wrong, com- Completely wrong place. Well you know where he wishes he was. <laughs> yeah I know. But um we went up and I quite like the history. It was like all the stuff about like bits of it have been it's developed over the years, but there's bits at the foundation of it that have been for, there for years, like cornerstones of it. And uh, it's been destroyed many times and rebuilt, but those cornerstones are still there. And I really felt that over you, Fiona, that you have a real um, integral, foundational part of what's happening here. And as things have changed um, over the years and going forward, um, that you'll be someone that um, other people will be able to come and, and build off. And um, yeah, so God, we just pray this over Fiona. God, I just thank you for this foundational uh, role she plays here, God, Um God, I think even in a way, God, the prophetic vision she has had for this place, God, and in some ways, God, um, a lot of us wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her mm-hmm. and the vision they have for this area, God. So we just pray more of that over Fiona, God, just fill her with excitement again, God, and um, with freshness, fresh wind, fresh fire for her, God, um, as she looks to the future, Father. And, As Hannah prayed, God, there's so many um, prophetic um, promises and dreams and desires that are in her that she hasn't seen yet, God. So help her to hold on to those, God, and just fill her with excitement, God, as she sees you fulfill those, God, in these next weeks and um, months and years ahead, God. So, yeah, we just pray for her, God. Just so encourage her in this season, God, and we just honor her and all that she has dealt us, Amen. Father, would you just...
1: Um, pour out your blessing Fiona would you give her all the wisdom Lord and the strategies that um, that you want to have, for her to have and for her to to pass on and, and help drive this church forward um, Lord would you just bless her Amen
0: hey Amen thanks guys good job <clears throat> yeah, it feels like that one was a long time coming. Fiona, I feel like we've been having a conversation for a long time. And Fiona's been doing the work of an elder for um, a lot of you already going. I mean, yeah, that's happened. But Fiona's been having conf- conversations and coffee with me. And I've been conf- you've been confiding in Fiona for a long time. So, um, no, that's, that's always good. Um, look, why don't you turn around and say hello to somebody really quickly. I know you're all, you're all serious in a serious morning like that. Just say hello. Say you're glad to see them. If you're new here, you're especially welcome. Well, look, we're going to continue on our series in Nehemiah. And again, if you haven't been here over the past couple of weeks and you're really just jumping in on what we're doing, uh, again, Zoe mentioned about it a given Sunday. I some of you have been coming and speaking. It feels like a while ago since we've done Vision Sunday, but it's really important just to to have that bit of time. just to. Um, I know some of you have been already... Uh, coming and asking about, you know, I, I want to commit so X amount and so on. Well. We encourage you to do that above, you know, that's above your ties and your offerings. It's just something you feel like the Lord is um, asking you to do. Again, if this isn't your home church, don't feel um, coerced into that. We just, um, this is where we're going. Again, we don't really have a, a full update on the, on the new building that's coming. It's moving in the right direction in God's timing. Um, but just so you do know, and I think of, I'll reiterate, I think I've already said, the given Sunday, you know, the building, you know, Financially, that that that's sorted on that aspect. This this building home campaign, if you like, is for the internal work to really to bring it up to, to scratch. Because seventy five thousand pound doesn't buy a much of buy the front door these days. But um, yeah, this is really just to do the work, the internal space, just to really make it into um, a church home for us, but also a community hub. As you'll see on that, and I'll speak more about it in a number of weeks. But a community hub is a space that is isn't just. For church activities we want to really begin to be an asset for a community we want to see a lot of things that are that you know there's already great things I mean people come and use it I mean there's there's conversational English classes here the health trust are in using this Um, and the local St. John's ambulance are using it for their kids during the week so a lot of things already happen and there's more to come and we really want to feel like we just feel like God's leading us in that increase but we'll explain more a bit about that. But I know some of you have been asking, what's a community hub? Is it going to be Journey Church? Is it going to be Journey Community Hub? It's still going to be Journey Community Church. But the hub aspect is to show you that there's going to be a lot more of a hub of activity. And we obviously need the people to come along and do that, which that's you guys. Okay. So and we'll talk more about that as well. And I feel, you know, we've been looking at Nehemiah because Nehemiah is really fitting um, for what, what, you know, God has asked him to do. And today's, Sermon, if you like, is really, I want to call it standing strong in the face of opposition. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in times of opposition, but any time God leads you into something good, meaningful, generous, or lasting, how many of you know you can expect opposition? How many of you know you can expect obstacles and you also can expect resistance? I mean, it's throughout scripture, it's throughout the biblical narrative, right? We see Adam and Eve had the serpent. We had Moses had Pharaoh, Pharaoh, David had Goliath. Jesus did a lot of meaningful things. In fact, he had Herod, the Pharisees, Jewish leaders, Judas, Satan, demons, and us ourselves, right? And then we'll see in today that Nehemiah had two people called Sambalat and Tobiah, whether that's correctly pronounced. Now, again, if you're here and you're jumping in, Nehemiah was a a cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes. Uh, He was a Persian king. But what we see is that Nehemiah was a normal guy. A normal Joe blog who God had spoke to, he heard about his homeland and all of a sudden his heart broke for what broke God's heart. We then begin to see that Nehemiah travels a thousand miles and what he begins to do is he attempts to inspire people to do what they thought was the impossible, okay? Anybody here ever been given a God dream that seemed impossible? Seems something that way beyond your reach or what society say you should do and as the story goes on we begin to see that Nehemiah and the people began to rebuild a lot of gates okay they rebuilt the sheep gate the fish gate the valley gate the horse gate the water gate and the dung gate who here would like to work on the dung gate now? I know some of you farmers in here like we do that you know Hannah again it wasn't in the sermon but Hannah scrapes like dung like no I mean he sho- she shows up the family I mean I, I went Christmas day just to tell you sidetrack I was out and God bless, but I wasn't really doing much, but Hannah was whizzing around. I was wow, you know, on a tractor, scraping a lot of the, you know. <laughs> Anyways, just to give you humor. But as we begin to see people do this work, we see that they're not, they weren't masonries, they weren't carpenters, but in fact, they were goldsmiths, perfume makers, and merchants. I don't know if you've ever seen a perfume maker try to build a gate, right? But actually, that's what was happening in the story. Who here has ever God has ever called you to do something that isn't your natural or experience. Can I just tell you something? Some of you are nodding. This here is debunks your excuse, okay? I'm not, called, I, I'm not qualified in that. I'm not gifted in that. Well, God's used perfume makers to build gates, okay? So all you handy people here when you're helping do work on a new building, see all the people go, oh, I can't do that. Just refer them back to, to Nehemiah, okay? And what we begin to see in the story is when the people of God who set about rebuilding the temple walls or making progress, they start to believe maybe we could actually do this. Maybe this is possible. Maybe what God has called us to do, what well, seems impossible, we're gonna do it. But how many know when the work begins to go down, opposition begins to show up? And so we're gonna pick up in, in chapter four, okay? It'll come up on the screen, but if you wanna to go to your Bibles, Nehemiah 4. And it says this in verse one. But so what happened when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall he was furious and indignant and he began to mock the Jews. He spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices again? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, the stones that have been burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, look, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, He will break down their stone wall. In fact, the word feeble in that moment is like a a flower that has been chopped off from its stem. It's useless. The work that they do isn't going to amount to anything. It's not going to produce fruit. Like I says, when the work goes down, opposition shows up. And like Zoe mentioned at the start of the service, I don't know if a lot of you have been following along in the Asbury revival or the outpouring and people putting a lot of names to it. That's been happening in... Kentucky and in the U.S. It's been a bunch of, of students. Again, this guy was one of the student leaders, the, the, the youth leaders in, in this Christian university. And he just, you know, he says he shared a sermon that wasn't his best, it was mediocre. But all of a sudden, when he talked about the love of God and responding to the love of God, the students began to stick around. The, how many students these days skip class to, well, that's probably a good excuse for them to go skip class in order to stay in the presence of God. And what's, what happened ended up still going to this day. Over 8, nine, ten days, however long that is. But what's been really interesting, more so I've been, I've been following because you know, I just feel like it's been a real pure sovereign move of God that's been happening. And people are trying to, to say a lot about how revival should look or how an outpouring should look. And what's really interesting is I, I've began to notice two things. Those who are self-centered, those who want the glory, want the fame. Anytime there's an outpouring of God and, and it gets, you know, quite a lot of attention and traction, they'll come along for their personal gain. And then the other thing that I've noticed <laughs> is that the theological wedgie givers of the world—they want to come along and begrudge it because they say, "But revival should look like this. True move of the Holy Spirit should look like this." But can I tell you something? In a generation that have addicted to all sorts of things, and can I tell you something? Aren't even leaving the church because they weren't even in it in the first place. We're beginning to see or coming back to, when Habakkuk talks about the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fills the earth, we're beginning to see it fill that generation. And what we have is we have two groups of people coming in for their own fame or begrudging it because they want to have an opinion. But can I tell you something? God doesn't really care about your opinion. So when the move of God comes, what we do is we say, if it's a move of God, something will happen, it will last and let God do what he's doing. But can I tell you something? As Acts 15 begins to say, you can actually begin to get in the way of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be doing that. Actually, I want us, and that's why we've moved into the to, to Friday night prayer meetings. Not that it's a, a prayer meeting, we just give, give God our lists of, of what we want him to do, but we begin to come with a repentant heart. We come to go, hey God, we I've moved past wanting revival. I've moved past wanting an outpouring of God because I've discovered we actually need it. We need a conscious awareness of God to show up in this space where all of us begin to go, not my will, but yours, God. Where we begin to die to self, like Fiona was doing today. This isn't a public display of putting you know, elders on a pedestal, but it's actually, hey, we come low, we come to serve, we come to allow God to do what he wants to do. And that's what we begin to see in an outpouring. But what's really interesting when an outpouring of God happens or when a move of God happens, there's always opposition. You may be thinking, that's distant from me. But maybe you're here back to church for the first time in a long time. But on the way here, you and your other half argued or your kids wouldn't, you know, keep quiet and, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're fighting in the car and then you walk up the stairs and then you start to sing, I raise an hallelujah and you feel like this was supposed to be a perfect Sunday. Or maybe you've jumped on to you know, serve in a, you know, kids' ministry. I know some of you have maybe served in kids' ministry lately. You've got your session plan all sorted. You go, this is going to be a holy moment with the kids. And none of them listen to you. You're actually fighting with them. You're herding cats. I know some of you, that's been for you. Or in fact, maybe you're here and you're going, oh, I'd love to plan for a holiday. You know, I want to get myself out of debt. And all of a sudden your car breaks or your washing machine goes. And you feel like, come on when you feel like you're making progress, when you feel like we can do this, all of a sudden something happens. Or maybe you're here and over the past while as we've been talking about, you know, what's God called you to do? What's he putting on your heart? What's he asking you to be obedient to? And you, you begin to tell a person and they go, wise up. They'll be daft. You couldn't do that. And then you feel shut down. Remember, when you begin, don't be surprised that when you begin to step out for God that opposition shows up. Because in fact, when you step out, it invites opposition. I'll put it like this, okay? Now, opposition means many things for different people. But Satan doesn't show up to those who are not a threat to the kingdom of God. Satan doesn't show up to those who are not a threat. Because I'll tell you this, I know Satan means many things to different people in this room. But the word Satan means to be an obstructor. Obstructor to what? To love. So when you're obedient to God, who is love, when you're obedient and you want to step out and do you know, the will of the Father, which is you know, the, the outpouring of love from him to us and to others, you will find that obstruction shows up. Maybe you're here and you want to, you're starting to be kind to someone. You're starting to you know, relate to someone in a way and all of a sudden relational conflict shows up. Don't be surprised that when you begin to extend love, that obstacles show up. It's why with your faith in God and your relationship with others are always the first things that are tested. Have you ever noticed that? If you think about it, if you boil down to the frustrations of your life, it's your faith and obedience to Jesus and your, your relationship with others are the things that get fragmented and tested the most. That's the type of opposition. I'm not here to, to give you know, worrying things to about Satan and, and, and what he wants to do, but just keep it down to the boiling of extending love. And we all know that to a certain extent. So what we begin to do is we begin to coast along because we know that when we do something meaningful and significant, alas, that there is going to be obstacles. So we begin to do the comfortable thing. It's just easier that way. I'm going to live the comfy life. You know, I'll go to church if I want, but you know what? I'll not really engage. I'll not really pray. I'll not really, you know, give financially. I'll not really care about the people who are sitting next to me. I'll not really, you know, give myself to this community because you know what? That's why I know it'll get tough. We do enough to make us feel good. But really, if we look at it, we don't do enough or give enough to make a difference. I'm not talking about getting into legalism and on a spiritual treadmill, but it really is about we hold back because we don't want to give ourselves to others. And that makes a significant difference in their lives. Scripture, it says, it's better to give than it is to receive. So we just coast along or we don't give to the place if it hurts because we want to save for a rainy day. But one of the things I've discovered, a bit like the Asbury revival, is that when you step out, opposition comes, but opposition always brings critics, right? Now you're thinking, well, how do, I, how do I deal with the critics? How do I respond to the haters, to the naysayers, to the people that bring doubt? Some of you are laughing because Taylor Swift's going through your head, Right? How do we respond? What do we do? Because we know that already. I'm not telling you something new. Well, see, most of the time, you don't do anything. Anybody here like a good social media argument? There was some, I found my, (laughs) what was that? No. (laughs) Ah, there we go. We'll not open the support group right now, right? How many of us like to defend? Anybody, I found myself wanting to be a keyboard defender for what's going on across the water where all you wedgie givers go away. (laughs) But most of the time, how you respond to critics it's just don't do anything. It's why one of the fruits of the Spirit is called self control. All right? Because notice what Nehemiah doesn't do Nehemiah doesn't respond. He doesn't give them an answer, and he doesn't defend. Because how many know your arguments aren't going to convert critics? Because you're not dealing with a thought issue, you're dealing with a heart issue. In fact, your argument is only ever going to fuel them. Because when you acknowledge critics, you give them power. Now I'm not saying to be rude, as much as you would want to in some ways, it's easier to deal with critics because you just stop seeking their approval and their agreeability. But oftentimes, it's harder to deal with the criticism that comes close to home. What about your mum, your dad, siblings? It's biggest, you know, all of a sudden we're thinking about the sibling arguments. The close friends. You know, it's, sometimes it's subtle. It's, oh, don't be stupid. You know, if you're called to do that, don't be at that. You've, you know... Who do you think you are? You know, one person's not going to make a difference. Look, don't quit your job. Don't, don't, that dream you have, it's just comfortable to stay this way. You don't financially know how it's going to work. Well, just keep doing what you're doing. If you're called to a certain aspect, that's impossible. Look, you've got a family. And yes, we have things that we need to look after and keep care of, but we don't need to bury our dreams. Maybe you're here and you're going look, the wee voice or the, the people around you are saying, look, you can't get involved in church. You haven't got it all together. You know, majority of my family think I'm a Christian because I'm the, the normal one out of the family. I says, No, that's not how this works. You may be thinking, Well, I can't get involved in serving because I'm not extroverted enough. I can't help lead a home group because well, I don't know anything about Jesus in the kingdom. Or maybe you're here thinking, You know, I wanna have kids, I wanna foster, I wanna raise a family. But then people are saying, well, you haven't got your own marriage in order. All the excuses, all of the criticisms subtly come along. You're too old, you're too young, you're too inexperienced, you're too busy. That may be true. But what we begin to see in the story of Nehemiah is we have to learn by the grace of the Holy Spirit that we can't be moved by people's praise or by people's criticisms? I want to ask you, how much are you moved by people's praise or people's criticisms? How much do you react to people's praises? Because I can't just say about people's criticisms because we know that's one, but what about people's praises? And what we begin to see in the story of Nehemiah is how do we learn to be led by the Holy Spirit? Now for some of us who maybe haven't grown up in charismatic streams or things that talk about the Holy Spirit, we go, well, that's just, The Fruit Lips do that. But what does it actually look like to hear from the Holy Spirit, to to be led by the Holy Spirit in any given moment? That they don't give a manual about that. In fact, was it not Nicodemus who came to Jesus as how to be born again? And Jesus says, well, the wind blows where the wind blows. I mean, imagine giving that as an answer in a theological college. What do you mean? But actually there's about relationship, that this is not about religion. That we'll begin to see in the story of Nehemiah is don't live by people's praises, because you'll die from the criticism. But one of the things that we have to learn is don't let praise go to your head and criticism to go to your heart. In fact, it probably should be the other way around. Deal with criticism in your thinking. Take it critically. There's good, It's good. To, there is a difference between critical thinking and a critical heart. We have to look at. I'm not. It's not about being yes people. It's not about you know being a. Again the snowflake generation where you can't tell them a hard thing. You know, you're setting them up for failure. In this community, we do talk about having a culture of honor. Like you get to come. I'm not saying that we'd be just fake nice. So we take criticism through the head and we allow praise to hit the heart through confidence. Because I do feel like it's, we have to encourage and, and, and give each other confidence. But what we begin to see is Nehemiah knew, he doesn't answer to his critics. He answers to God. Because instead of engaging at that lower level, he had to be led by the higher calling on his life. What we begin to see in verse four, it says, hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on, the, on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders of your good work. So we rebuilt the wall till all it reached, half its height. For listen to this, the people worked with all of their heart that the people of God, as they set out to be obedient to what the Father had asked, they give it with all of their heart. Because how many know, to do something with all of your heart, you have to decide who you're serving. To do something with all of your might, you have to decide who you're serving. I really believe the greater you settle who you serve, the greater the level of peace in your life. Does James not talk about, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? We know the scriptures. A house divided against itself will not stand. What about your mind? The house of your mind? If we, you know, what does it say? You cannot, you know, serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. I know that there's context for those. But if you want to see greater levels of peace in your ministry, and you may, maybe you thinking, I don't have a ministry. I'm talking about the places you serve and your family and your friends in this church and beyond. When we decide who we serve, because how many of you know, you're never going to get approval from everyone? Because we like to move the goalposts. We like to, we, we jump up of a so we like to move. We like to play this game on each other. You know, play any six nation rugby fans, kick it through this goalpost. Ah, oh, great, right, kick it for me. And we move, and all of a sudden, how much do we move the goalposts for our kids? As leaders, why don't we just bring the goalposts close? And let them win. Who's all the competitive people in the room? Why don't you let people? I'm glad Jazz is a, she's acknowledging it. Okay, right Jazz? You're going to be leading the next group of you know, people going, right, who's going to acknowledge? Let's, let's let people. Now, not saying again, we, we, we have to you know, teach appropriately. But this is both spiritual and practical. I heard this thing and I agree with it in some ways, but I thought it was good and disagree on others. It says, pray as if everything depends on God, which is true. And then work as if everything depends on us. Now we know it depends on God's grace. But we pray as if we need the miraculous of God because we do, to do the work that we're called to do. But then have the work ethic as if it depends on you. That we step out in the face of opposition and we give to it. Verse 10 says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, listen to the fear and the excuses. The strength of the labors is giving out and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us coming, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to their work. Listen to the fear. Then the Jews who lived near them and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. The people of God were began, beginning to, to have fear and doubt in the midst of the work. And what I've discovered of all of the different types of opposition, Externally, through the haters, through the relationship dynamics, spiritually, the most difficult opposition you will ever experience doing the work of God is internally. You know that wee voice in your head that says, who do you think you are? You can't bring anything to the table. You're, you're not like this. You can't do it like that person can You're one person, you're never going to make a difference. You don't have what it takes to do what God's calling. Can I tell you something you don't? It's called the grace of God. But listen, the external opposition will only be as loud as your internal insecurities allow them to be. This should be good because you can control that. You can't control the external oppositions. Because I've discovered the bigger the walls you allow God to knock down within you, the bigger the walls he will build through you. The bigger the walls you allow God to knock down in your heart, the bigger the walls that he, by his grace, will build through you. Because as we talk about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as we talk about revival, revival first hits the heart before it ever hits society. An outpouring of God's love has to first hit you before it's ever going to hit our community. Now, that's also not true. Because God can drop wherever He wants. But as the church, as the people of God, we need an outpouring. I don't know about you, but we go through the motions of church, but we need a conscious awareness of the Holy Spirit in this community. Now, you may be thinking, what are you talking about? I wish I had the language to describe what I'm talking about. I really do. But it's a bit like that saying, it's better caught than taught. Now, for all you people here, logical and like to know, I'm sorry, but I can't. It's why the scripture talks about the laying on of hands. It's about, you know, we want to get everything and there are programs and there are things that, you know, we learn online. But can I tell you something? You can never ever substitute relationship, community and impartation of the Holy Spirit all online. We're never... Going to church fully online because there's something you catch in an environment that what we're seeing across, you know, I don't. We're we currently are getting Hannah and I are currently getting we got our passports, our, our photos done. We're trying to get you know passports renewed and, and sorted and Hannah's trying to get a nice passport, so she's on the wait long lines and so on, right? But we didn't have a, a a passport. But I genuinely would have went over. We talked about it. We would spend our savings to go over there because can I tell you something? As much as we would get in Israel or Italy or Rome or whatever, is it, there's something about catching. Now, the Holy Spirit's here and that's why we're praying. It is a God thing. that we, I don't have a passport because we're not going over there. But there is something about, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know. I'm not building a theology around it. But there's something about when you know God's in the room. God's everywhere. We know that. But there is a difference between God's omnipresence and God's manifest presence. Please know that. Please know that scripture shows it I'm not talking about just a feel-good factor because can I tell you something you'll not always have the feel-good factor in your life but there's something about when you go God is God that's all I have on that bit (laughs) and when we overcome and and there is something about an outpouring it's about repentance by the way we don't always talk about sin now I like to talk about the the effects because the root of all sin is rejection by the way you know When it comes to an outpouring of the love of God, what we're seeing in the Asbury and and other you know moves of God, we think in our, particularly Northern Northern Ireland, we think God's dealing with sin is about behavior modification. We think you overcome sin by and part of it is you know, go and sin no more, don't do the act. But Jesus says, you know, when you have hate in your heart, then you've murdered. There when an outpouring of the love of God, there is a repentance. What is repentance? It's a turning away from my desires to actually follow on God's way. That's a dying to self. We can't do that, but the problem is we can't do that on our own. And that's why a lot of revival prayer meetings die away. That's why a lot of repentance becomes legalistic because they try to do it. you You can't turn away from your own desire on your own self. That's why when an outpouring of the love of God happens, it's the grace. I want a year of grace. I want our church to know that we're covered in his grace because it's by his grace that you realize You've got something and it's by his grace that you move away from that sin, that something and into a new life in him. I can say that, but without the power of God coming and touching you. And that's why we love an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because what we begin to see is those who have been forgiven the most fear the least. We begin to see it. Young people are standing up in, in the midst of a cancel culture generation. The pressures that our young people experience I'm telling you, you're so much greater than we know. The high, to hide, to not voice, because all of a sudden when we said something, and, and some of your generation ahead of me and a couple of generations ahead, you said something. All you heard was your friend and the goat in the next field. See, now everything spreads to much degree. The attack and the, the, the opposition is greater. We need to pray and we need to seek, you know, a revival for our next generation, but also for ourselves. And when we begin to be forgiven the most, when we begin to, Nehemiah says it, he says, after I looked over these things, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of those criticizers. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Because what we will begin to find, not only in in the future for us as a community, but whatever God has for you, the greater the opposition against you is the greater the opportunity God has to fight for you. How many know God's fighting for you? Do you believe it? Nehemiah says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters and your wives. You know, keyboard warriors and all sorts of things. Everyone knows what they're against these days. But they don't really know what they're for. You know, I see pages dedicated to church movements that are like, you know, their most post is what they're against, not what they're for. Nehemiah discovered something when he said, don't be afraid of them. Instead, fight for your families. We have to know as a church what we're building. We're building, you know, when you build family, when you build church, that's worth fighting for, but also God backs that stuff up. Do you believe that God will give you grace to raise your family? to protect your family to bless your family do you believe that when you do the work to build God's church in his kingdom that he will pour out and back you in that that when you feel God is leading you into something that lines up with a lifestyle for him that he will back you up with his grace I don't know how to describe it but when I became a pastor of this church when he became an elder the grace of God became in a whole new way now that grace is for you <laughs> But something happens when you step into what God calls you to do. It's it's hard to describe. And when we're building in this next season, not only is it a physical building, but it's about a community. We we have to have focus on that because can I tell you something? People will come along, they'll criticize what you're doing, they'll give their opinion, and sometimes take the meat from the bones. But oftentimes it's going, Do you know what? I know who I'm called to serve. I can't get your approval. So we need to decide you're not going to get their approval. Those you who are close to you, now, I'm not giving you permission to be a lone ranger or to rebel against your leadership, all right? I'm definitely not giving you permission to do that, okay? As some of you laugh. But an outpouring of the, the presence of God is it's God's grace and it's his love. And I've discovered that when we, he has lordship over something, it's then we will experience his grace and his love. Because we don't build with our own strength but we build with grace. Look, back, why don't you come back up? And why don't you guys stand? If I can summarize it like this, when you step out to do something that matters, whether it's investing in your family, investing in this community, investing in whatever God's put in front of you, you decide, I'm not gonna use the comfy life, I'm not gonna uh, comfy surf, I'm gonna begin to do something, put my hands to something that matters. There will always be critics. You will always face opposition. But if you're not ready to, for opposition in your obedience to God, then you're not gonna be ready to be used by God. If you live in a, in a bubble that, in the, the snowflake mentality that says, you know what, people, people can't criticize me, I'm telling on you. For, yeah, I'll not, actually I'll not even go down that story. But If you're not ready for opposition in what God has called you to do, then you're not ready to be used by him. You have to decide who do you serve Because the bigger the walls you allow him to knock down within you, I can tell you categorically as as I am sure that I'm going to heaven is that he will build through you. The deal with Satan is easy. He goes in the name of Jesus. Satan goes in the name of Jesus. That's easy, okay? Don't build a bigger picture than you need to. But internal opposition, opposition needs his grace on your life. You can't do that on your own. Even Judas cast out Satan because he goes in the name of Jesus. But Judas didn't allow the grace of the Lord to hit his heart to be faithful and obedient. So Father, I pray this morning that whatever you're speaking in people's lives, wherever we find ourselves, Father, would we press into your grace? God, that we would know that there's no mountain in front of us that is too big for you. There's no obstacle in our way that God, that you cannot help us to overcome because you are the God of life. You want to see us move forward. You want to see us break through but you also want us to step out and as we step out Lord we know that there's going to be opposition but greater are you who is in us than he that is in the world that Father we are covered in your grace that if grace was an ocean we'd all be drowning and so Father I pray for every single person in this room that they would know and trust in your grace but they would give their yes, to continually keep stepping out, to develop a thick skin, but a devoted heart.
2: That is our service over for this week. Um, We have prayer ministry team though. So if you want prayer for something, if you, you know, what Thomas has said this morning has really resonated, please come up and get some prayer. Even if you just want to hear from God, just come up and get some prayer this morning. And the other thing is, just before we go, we have some food that needs used up. um, Please take it home with you. uh, Grab some even for your freezer. And yeah, we've got home groups this week and also um, our Friday night prayer as well. See you then.